a long-term truce that recently seemed within reach. There are reports that Hamas is considering a major revision to its 1988 founding charter, one that would, for the first time, accept a Palestinian state along the 1967 borders. On the Israeli side, a top army general, Sami Turgaman, has spoken openly of common interests with Hamas, and the two sides seem to tacitly cooperate to keep the peace in the besieged strip. In February, Hamas elected Yahya Sinwar as its leader in Gaza. Analysts quickly began to speculate that the military commander, who spent more than two decades in an Israeli prison, would steer the group into a confrontation with Israel. Sinwar, 55, was released in the 2011 Shalit deal. After joining Hamas, he quickly rose up the ranks of its armed wing, the Qassam Brigades. Considered a terrorist by the United States, Sinwar has shied away from the media, opting to keep a low profile, and Israeli observers believe his more hardline approach will mean rejecting the current detente. However, as Eyal Zisser, a Middle East expert at Tel Aviv University, noted in the daily Israel Hayom, despite Sinwar's hostility toward Israel, he was the one who signed off on the de facto ceasefire that has existed between Hamas and Israel for the past two years, and he is the one who has preserved the quiet along the border. If these trends continue, it would be a remarkable transition, giving Hamas a veneer of legitimacy as the ruler in Gaza. The question is whether Hamas can stay on course. The group itself is divided, with its moderate Politburo increasingly overshadowed by a hard-line military wing. Officials in Ramallah are furious. They fear a deal with Israel would erode their position as the sole negotiators on behalf of the Palestinian people. And Hamas has already been targeted by radical factions, small, shadowy Salafi groups, angry that it has abided by the 2014 ceasefire. They want the fighting to continue, and they regularly lob rockets at Israel, hoping to provoke a response. Hamas's dilemma, much like the one Fatah faced in the 1990s, centers on a fundamental question. What happens when a resistance movement stops resisting and starts governing? Hamas has had almost a decade to answer this question, and in October 2016, it came very close. For the first time since it took over the Gaza Strip in 2007, local elections were scheduled to be held across the West Bank and Gaza, with Hamas due to participate in both. But the elections were scrapped after the annulment of Fatah-affiliated candidate lists in Gaza and the harassment of Hamas members in the West Bank. The cancellation came as little surprise to pundits and observers, especially after Abbas had instructed the legislature to look for serious irregularities in the electoral process, according to a report by Al-Quds, the most widely read Palestinian daily. And just recently, the Palestinian Authority, PA, announced it would hold these elections in the West Bank only, for the second time since 2012, much to the ire of Hamas. An Understanding with Israel Israel has always had a complicated relationship with Hamas. In July 2014, as war raged in the South, a senior Israeli official invited a few journalists to the defense ministry, the Kiryah, a towering structure in the heart of Tel Aviv. The official, who used to serve as a military commander in Gaza, reminisced about his meetings with Sheikh Ahmed, or Ahmed Yassin, the wheelchair-bound co-founder of Hamas, who was eventually assassinated by an Israeli helicopter gunship in 2004. He hated us, we could tell, but he met with us, said the official. By the time Hamas was founded in 1987, 
its leaders had spent two decades diligently building a network of schools and charities across the West Bank and Gaza. They did so with Israel's blessing. The Islamists were seen as peaceful, more interested in charitable work than in fighting. They were thus a useful counterweight to secular militant groups such as Fatah. There are experts who've argued that Hamas is an Israeli initiative, the official explained. And to be honest, this is partially right, because there was a rivalry between Fatah and Hamas. The group, an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood, was an appealing alternative for many Palestinians as well. It was a religious answer to the godless factions of the Palestine Liberation Organization. And it remained ideologically rigid. In 1988, with the first Intifada underway, PLO Chairman Yasser Arafat went to the United Nations and accepted Resolution 181, which partitioned the land into a Jewish state and a Palestinian one. His decision paved the way for secret talks with Israel and eventually for a peace deal between the two.